Welcome to Small Business Minutes. We will learn to survive, adapt, and thrive. Welcome to another episode of Small Business Minutes. Uh, This is in our Small Business Survival Series, and it has to do with employment law questions regarding the COVID-19 issues that arise with small businesses regarding their employees, uh, calling them back to work, issues regarding if they refuse to come back to work, uh, and any plans that you must be required to have to provide a safe uh, work environment for your employees. My guest today is an attorney named Keely Collins. She is a partner and chair of the Employment Law Practice Group for King Spry, located in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. She serves as pension and labor counsel, representing business and agencies of all sizes, ranging from large unionized employers to small family businesses. Keeley is conversant in federal and state employment law, labor law, and ERISA. So, Keely, welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me today, Fran. I really appreciate the opportunity. Sure, it's my pleasure. So, as you can imagine, which I'm sure you're getting the questions as well as I am, oh, yes. many small businesses are struggling to make uh, decisions regarding their employees, many of whom have been furloughed or have had reduced hours and are employers are struggling to make good decisions regarding their businesses, but also the welfare of their employees. So one of the questions that I get, I think the most is, as you know, and I believe you've done a blog post on this, that many employees who have been furloughed because of the federal unemployment money being paid to them are making more on unemployment than they did when they were employed full-time. Yes. And so they have no incentive Uh, to come back to work. And so some employers have run into the issue where they've started to request their employees back to work and some are either directly refusing or coming up with some sort of excuse not to come back. Can you give some guidance on how employers should handle this? Yes, absolutely. And uh, Fran, that is an excellent question. No employer ever sets out. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time now and I've never run into an employer who intentionally tries to harm employees, and most employers will wish the very best for the individuals who are at the front line of their business interfacing with the community. Um, However, it has become an issue for many employers to recall employees back to work when employees are making an extra $600 per week as a premium, which takes their salary over and above what they would normally be making with the employer. So how do we recall employees in a time of unemployment compensation premium pay. So for my first recommendation to you employers uh, and, to, and to Fran, who asked a great question, um, is to uh, come up with a legitimate business reason for how you're recalling employees. Are you recalling them based on seniority? Are you recalling them based on a particular business need? Are you recalling them in inverse order of how they were furloughed? There is There must be some articulable method to your recall of employees. What this does is it gives the employer a legitimate business reason in the event that you have an employee who was much happier receiving premium pay. So they decide to turn around and claim that the employer's method of recall was somehow discriminatory. So uh, point number one, recommend coming up with an articulable business reason 
for the order of recall and thoroughly documenting the reason that you are call, recalling employees in a particular order. Secondly, efforts to recall certainly may be made first informally by phone. However, we would always recommend that an offer of recall, particularly during this time when employers' uh, offers of recall, uh, employees might have the motivation to challenge them. We recommend that they are in writing to the employee and provide uh, the, the specific return date so that the employer has evidence that the employee was recalled to suitable employment. And then finally, third, if you have an employee who is refusing to return, that is not their right to refuse to return, provided that you're following the Department of Health Safety order, which I'm sure you all are, uh, to the best of your ability, and you're complying with the CDC's guidelines for social distancing and mask wearing, your offer of employment, particularly in the yellow zone coming up here soon, is an offer of suitable work. Therefore, employees have no right to continue to collect unemployment after they've refused your offer of suitable work. The Office of Unemployment Compensation with the Pennsylvania Department of Labor and Industry has actually developed a special form for you employers to use if you have employees who have turned down an offer of suitable work. So the three steps, you've come up with a business reason for your order of recall, you've documented your offers, and thirdly, you have employees who are refusing to return what you need to do then is report that to the Department of Labor and Industry within seven calendar days of the refusal. And the employee should not have the right to continue to collect unemployment compensation. Now, I know what you're thinking. Your friend's next question to me or you employers out there, your, your next question to me might be, well, you know, what about employees who might have a reason to refuse? What about employees who are looking after children or may be under quarantine themselves, don't they have a right to refuse your offer of employment? Very good question. No, even those employees don't have the right to refuse your offer of employment. Employees must return to an offer of suitable work, or they do not have the right to continue to collect unemployment compensation. If those employees have a reason why they need to stay home, they need to let you as the employer know that reason so that you can apply your leave policies. So in other words, you would call Jane Smith up and say, Jane, we need you to return to work. She says, well, you know, uh, Fran, I'm actually under quarantine. I'm not able to return. Fran would say, well, we're going to offer you leave under the Families First Coronavirus Response Act to address the quarantine order. However, you are being recalled as an employee to work. If from there the employee refuses the offer or resigns, in most cases, the employee will not be entitled to unemployment compensation. Very good. That's a lot to take in, everyone. So you just want to maybe re-listen to what Keely just said, because that's really important. I will put a link in the show notes, at least the Pennsylvania UC form. If you're in a different state, I'm sure the procedures are somewhat similar. And uh, you did kind of wade into the FFCRA pond. And I think from a legal perspective, I think a lot of small businesses, frankly, have no idea how those rules apply to them. And uh, I have some general concerns. I've, I've spoken to some clients personally, and uh, you know there, there's a lot of new acronyms from the pandemic, and certainly FFCRA is one of them. And I think it's those provisions 
that apply to small businesses because I'll have a lot of clients say, oh, I only have X number of employees. This does not apply to me. And I believe many are shocked. And I'm not saying that they're doing this in a way that they're doing it knowing the rules. They're more ignorant of the rules. And maybe you could just give a brief explanation of how this might apply to, you know, what the thresholds are for employers um, and how this might apply to them. Yes, absolutely. That's another good question, Fran. And I completely agree. Um, It is very possible for employers to not know the rule because every time you turn around, there is a brand new rule released and 70 pages of regulations. So it's understandable that you small businesses out there might not have any idea what this FFCRA is because you're just trying to survive day to day uh, with all the all the other changes. So the Families First Coronavirus Response Act is a mandatory leave law that will be in place through the end of 2020. So uh, the end date on that is at the end of December of 2020. We do not know whether that date will be extended. This is a law that applies to all employers with fewer than 500 employees. So small businesses, if you have one employee, this applies to you. However, caveat here, um, the law does provide for an exception for small businesses. And these are businesses with fewer than 50 employees. Now, this doesn't mean you don't have to apply. To comply small businesses, it just means you have an extra documentation obligation in order to obtain an exemption. So if you small business have an employee or you're fewer than 50 employees, you have someone who comes to you and requests leave for, say, child care. So you have an employee who, let's just say for the, the sake of this example, is your office manager. She or he comes to you and says that their child care is unavailable due to COVID-19 and they believe that they have a leave need that would qualify under federal law. You as a small business employer may refuse to grant this leave if certain uh, certain rationales exist in your workplace. One rationale is if the employee is very integral to your business and has a specific skill set that you cannot sacrifice. And again, this isn't all employers with fewer than 500 employees. This is just those with fewer than 50, your very small businesses. Um, and there are many great small businesses of that size in the Lehigh Valley. If you have such an employee come to you and request leave, what you must do is document the business-based reason for the leave. I would encourage you small businesses, and this is not shameless self-promotion. I, there are many, many great employment attorneys in this area. Uh, I would encourage you to contact legal counsel if you are a small business who would like to exercise the exemption because the documentation obligations here are very critical. You do not need to file for an exemption with the Department of Labor. However, you must be able to document in the to survive a possible Department of Labor audit your reasons for exempting a particular employee. You may apply the exemption on an employee by employee basis, or you may, under certain circumstances, apply the exemption to your entire workforce. However you're able to do it, I would recommend that you obtain counsel to help you with a detailed memorandum outlining the legal reasons for your taking the exemption that you maintain on file in case you are audited by the Department of Labor. The documentation here is very critical. um, And I would encourage you, if you you need the exemption, take it. But I would encourage you to carefully document the rationale and make sure that your rationale fits within one of the legal criteria that are set forth in fairly extensive regulations that were released by the Department of Labor. 
great. So again, this is something that's really important. Uh, as a business owner, you may not realize how important until an employee who has uh, come to you and requested extended leave to which the, the leave policies of the FFCRA apply to you and you get caught in some sort of snare uh, by not following the rules. So the whole point of the business, the small business survival series is to have you be prepared uh, as much as possible. The, the important word in the series is survival. And so it's important that you are prepared so that you can survive during this time, especially. I know Keely and I had a discussion about uh, re-entry plans, um, coming up with a plan that um, that that is clear to your employees about what your plans are. So Keely, can you expound a bit on that? Yes, yes, absolutely. Another great question. When you, uh, as, as a business of any size, are re-entering the workforce, it's critical that you develop a re-entry plan as well as an acknowledgement for employees to sign that contains certain criteria to help protect your business. So first of all, as to the re-entry plan, there are certain criteria that are required in Pennsylvania, and I'm sure in other states uh, through a similar department. Here in Pennsylvania, we have the Department of Health which has issued a safety order that contains certain parameters for businesses re-entering. Now, we as employment attorneys fully expect that this order is going to evolve and perhaps change over time, but your re-entry plan, uh, it is recommended uh, to mirror the Department of Health's order in addition to your corporate culture. Your re-entry plan should be a plan that reflects the legal requirements and uh, our businesses in Philadelphia, which are also working hard to survive this time, also have a an additional ordinance to comply with uh, that we have been incorporating in Philadelphia employers' reentry plans so that the same standard applies to all employees and your standards are commonly understood by all employees. That way, you can minimize risk in many areas. So first of all, uh, workers' compensation risk. This is a risk that could cause significant problems for businesses, even those businesses with one employee. It's not unheard of that a business has one employee and has difficulty with worker, a worker's compensation claim, even just for that one employee. If you develop a re-entry plan, you are in a better position to have employees follow certain procedures to minimize the risk that they will in some way become infected with COVID-19 in the workplace. Um, and then your acknowledgement to employees should reflect that employees have read and understood the re-entry plan. And I would also recommend that your acknowledgement contain some type of reporting process for employees in the event that they observe a violation of the re-entry plan. Unfortunately, employers, generally speaking, we cannot get employees to sign a waiver. In other words, sign a document that says that they waive any type of claim against the employer if they contract COVID-19 in the workplace. We know that under workers' compensation law, if the employee can establish they contracted a, some type of illness in the workplace, that would be that may be covered under workers' comp law. So we can't really require them to waive that. However, we can require employees to sign an acknowledgement that can be documented and maintained on file that employees understand and agree to comply with the re-entry procedures and that employees also agree to report any 
noticeable violations by a coworker. Further, employers would may want to, just for added protection, ask employees to acknowledge that the employer cannot be everywhere at the same time. The, there is always a chance that in re-entering the workplace, any type of illness or injury could occur at the workplace. So it, the, the employee in returning to work has an understanding of what the employer's expectations are, and the employer in turn has documented for the file that the employee was informed of the expectations, agreed to comply, and agreed to follow a reporting practice if the employee observes noncompliance. And, and that's critical for risk management in returning uh, in the COVID-19 era. Are there standard forms or or documents that employers can use or are they customized for each situation? What have you found? Yes, yes, absolutely. That, that's great, uh, great observation. They must be customized for each situation because uh, one thing that you notice in, in being a business advisor of any kind is that each corporate culture, um, I like to say, is kind of like a different country in a way. Each employer has its own way of operating, its own way of communicating, and its own culture. So if we as attorneys have a standard re-entry plan acknowledgement that we just give all of you as sort of a, uh, a rubber stamp or uh, something like that, it's quite possible that there are certain employers who are not going to be able to follow that because that's just not consistent with their corporate culture. In my opinion, each employer needs to develop a customized plan, a customized acknowledgement that's something that fits within their corporate culture that they feel comfortable standing by and using every day for every employee in the workplace. Great. So this is not a one-size-fits-all Google search and uh, put something together for your re-entry plan, but it is critically important as you reopen your businesses for your own protection and your employees' protection as well. Right. Um, uh, lastly, I know that in our pre-recording discussion, you had mentioned that there are some positive changes that have come out of the the, the situation we find ourselves in. And uh, could you just go through that a little bit, uh, Keely? What your what your thoughts are? Some of the things that have come out of this that might be positive. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And I'm not ashamed to be positive during this time. Uh, business is positivity. To drive business forward, you must remain positive and find a way to learn from every situation. I'm sure Fran and the small business owners out there uh, would agree with that statement to one extent or another. What I found to be positive in the situation is two things. First of all, uh, employment attorneys and HR professionals have been trying for a long time to get employers to be consistent about developing and implementing safety and health practices in the workplace. Having a solid safety and health plan, no matter if you're in the pandemic or not in the pandemic, is critically helpful to managing legal risk. And in some ways that are, are small that you might not even realize on a daily basis, such as frequent hand washing, employees staying home if they're sick. Oh my goodness, that's so important. That's not, that's not slacking off behavior. If an employee's genuinely sick, they must stay home. It's just so critical to your business progress not to have people coming in who are going to drain the productivity. So we've seen one positive step being that employers are now not only more willing to recognize the importance of health in the workplace, but are actually taking practices to enforce that every day, requiring employees who are ill to stay home. That's just so crucial. And secondly, the remote workplace. Some The remote workplace may be advantageous for some businesses, not advantageous for others, but we are realizing now as employers, 
all of the tools that we have at our capacity and uh, I'm sorry, at our disposal. And tools equal productivity. The better tools you can get, the more productive you're going to be. So employers through this pandemic have realized the tools at their disposal for employees to be able to work remotely and to still perform their functions in uh, and even perform their functions better than they did on the site because they don't have to worry about the travel time to and from the employer. Now, some of you out there are thinking, well, I have employees who just aren't very independent thinkers. They're not great at working from home. That's absolutely fine. But then you're probably realizing those who are and who are even able to be more productive from home than they were at the workplace. Yes. And I think, you know, my own personal uh, experience here with the accounting firm is that some have worked remotely, some were more productive, some less so only because, well, partially because they were not set up to work from home, they don't have a home office or they don't have all the tools. And that's something we're analyzing ourselves as we move forward to see how we might uh, make them uh, more comfortable and more efficient to work from home if that becomes a requirement in the future. So uh, to summarize, um, and Keely, thank you so much for your insight. It's invaluable uh, for uh, employers who are just struggling to make really good business decisions and also who are really concerned about their employees and the health of their employees at this time. Uh, I will say, and I'll, I'll, I'll note in the show notes that um, uh, Keely has also uh, published some blogs already that are very pertinent to this uh, top topic or the things that we discussed. Um, one is relative to recalling employees. Um, another one is uh, related to uh, things that you might think are not a big deal, but really could be a big deal, and that's temperature screenings of uh, employees um, in the workplace. So uh, again, I will put a contact information in the show notes. Uh, it goes without saying that um, uh, this is just general advice, legal advice uh, in the podcast and not meant to be specific. Uh, certainly, if you have questions in this regard, you can contact your own attorney. If you don't have one or one without this specialty, certainly contact Keely. She's um, a wealth of knowledge. I, I've heard her speak at various uh, functions, business functions, and I truly believe that she could speak about this for hours off the cuff and be accurate without any notes. Uh, that was the thing that impressed me the most about her. She was contemporaneous, and uh, I was quite blown away by her uh, understanding of the rules and um, I'm sure that's why she has many clients and many that are happy with her. Any final thoughts, Keely? Just that it's such a pleasure to be here with you today, Fran. I really appreciate you thinking of me. Um, it's part of my mission to educate as many business leaders as I possibly can, completely free of charge. So it's my honor and privilege to be here today to help educate the business community. Thank you uh, very much for having me, uh, Fran. It's been my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Remember, we all start small. This podcast is sponsored by the accounting firm of Molinari Oswald, located in Center Valley, PA, serving small businesses globally. If you love this podcast, please tell a friend. Thank you.